At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. This is the Minnesota Tim Podcast, and joining the Minnesota Tim Podcast today is the voice of the Vikings. He's the host of 9 to Noon on KFAN 100.3, and he's the announcer at Canterbury Park. Paul Allen is joining the Minnesota Tim podcast today. Paul, I really appreciate you taking time to join the podcast today. What's up, brother? And, um, you know, your your name's Timothy and I'm Paul. And knowing that you're biblically inclined, <laughs> then maybe in a weird roundabout way, certainly, you know, not comparing myself to an apostle or you, <laughs> but Timothy was Paul's understudy. So yeah. maybe this is the start to you becoming my understudy. And you get one of my three jobs when I'm done with them, racetrack announcing, K-Pan radio, or uh, play-by-play for the Vikings. So we never have any idea what God's will is going to entail and what the purpose is, but it cannot be disputed. He has put Paul and Timothy together. And my middle name, Paul. Uh, Yeah, and, and my middle name is Michael which would take us to Revelation 12 and the Archangel Michael thrusting the devil down to earth. And that's where spiritual warfare began. But uh, we digress. Here we go. All right. Well, you're kind of hitting on the first question I was going to ask you. So uh, you were a host of the Faith and Gold podcast that launched last year. You came to Shakopee in 1995 to call horse races at Canterbury Park. And now you're the voice of the Vikings and you have been since 2002. You have your K-Fan show. I'm fascinated with people's stories and how God's faithfulness has just shown what was life like for you before you came to Minnesota? And did you ever envision becoming the voice of the Vikings and K-Fan host and Canterbury Park announcer? I just want a synopsis of your story because I'm fascinated with everything that goes on with that. Well, I, I, I thank you very much for asking. Uh, there's a long, a very long and winding road that is the only way to explain it, but I'm not going to take up like 10 consecutive minutes of your podcast. But honestly, now that, you know, from a person who never had read the Bible four years ago and did not know at age 52, Christ was God on earth, but always believed in God and always prayed, even if it was the Lord's prayer every time, our father art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Um, And it's being that person all of my life, but now 
you know, studying the Bible intently. I mean, in fact, so much so that I have the, um, my, my Jewish friend, Howard Bornstein from Chicago, uh, gave me the Hebrew version of Psalms, the book of Psalms, uh, from, um, from the heat, from the Hebrew Bible. And that's currently what I'm reading now, you know, wow. a lot of Selah, a lot of conductor, a lot of Hashem, um, and, and it's different, but it's the same from, from the Bible that, that I read as a Christian. Okay, so I have to start there because it's the only way to look back at somebody who didn't go to college, somebody who lived quite the lascivious life for quite some time. And it's not like I don't sin now, I do, you know, like everybody else, but, um, but it, it's, I just have, I have things in such a better place now than I did then. And, and, you know, it's the mid eighties, man. I graduated high school in 84. Um, I became a um, newspaper writer for the Pasadena star news in 89, got a stringer as we called a job, kind of a side piece with USA today covering horse racing and high school sports in Southern California. So it starts there. College was not for me. I tried and it just was not for me at all. I'm antithetical to any uh, fraternity or clicky college vibe, not that all of them are clicky. And, you know, I've just never was a good student with, uh, with reading, writing, arithmetic, stuff like that in high school. My mom helped me a lot. I'm being dead honest with you, God rest her soul. If she hadn't have done the majority of my homework as a senior, A, I wouldn't have been, been able to play basketball, and B, you know, I might not have graduated. So that's me with school. But, you know, to, to do National Football League play-by-play, generally speaking, or to have a radio show in, in a big market for coming up on 30 years now, maybe even to be a racetrack announcer, the majority of people are college-trained and formerly trained and raised. Why well, wasn't? Um, so now we have that piece. Uh, so then I, I get a racetrack announcing job at Bay Meadows Racecourse in 1993. I went up there, auditioned for it, and I won. Canterbury Park caught, caught wind of my work in 93 and 94, and they're opening in 95. So they hire me. So now I'm going San Francisco, Grand Island, Nebraska to fill in for a guy for five weeks, Shakopee, and back for five wow. years. Big time gypsy trail. Learned a lot from it. Still never read a word in the Bible. Prayed to God and recognized God as sovereign, even though I didn't do it per the Bible and what I know now and have learned now all of my life. So there we are. Uh, I started calling Vikings games in 2002. And the only way to get that job with no National Football League play-by-play experience or no or no football, I had no play-by-play experience, period, zero, outside of racetrack announcing. Um, I guess I kind of auditioned for it in 2000 uh, by calling Vikings games from the baseball press box at Metrodome for an upstart Vikings.com that needed to get its broadcast to fans worldwide. And uh, the flagship WCCO at that time wouldn't do it. So they came to KFAN and they're like, it's my, I mean, this is like my third year there. And they're like, you know, we're having a problem with CBS. They won't uh, put the broadcast on um, the .com. Anybody here want to do it? And I raised my hand and they let me do it. Okay. So really the backstory to put a bow on it um, after unpacking it just a little is I look back at all of those years everything that went into it and recognize that to to get to get three of the three of these microphones 
for 30 years, coming up on 30 years now, 28 at the racetrack, 21 with Colin Vikings games, about 25 with KFAM. Uh, the only way to get that with not being formally trained and no college education, uh, a gypsy life driving around the country, strictly as a racetrack announcer, and there's nothing wrong with that, but I auditioned for all of the jobs, okay? So I auditioned to win a racetrack announcing job at a major track in a major city. I, in essence, auditioned in 97 by doing sports updates at KFAN to get the full-time job in 98. And I, in essence, auditioned to get the Vikings play-by-play -play job. And after losing it and handling the loss with class, I won it the next year in 2002. And, and, and really, the, the, to, just to finally connect the dots here, uh, for me to get the job at Canterbury Park, somebody else was already hired. Well, that person, Terry Wallace, backed out, so then I came in. The only way I keep the radio show full-time at KFAN in 98 is if Jesse the Body Ventura runs for governor and wins. And with the play-by-play -play piece, the only way I get into the National Football League, I don't even know how to explain it. I mean, I know yeah. God has gifted me with the ability to call games and races and do radio shows and now chapels and stuff like that. But just think about that. So that's the backstory. It. If, if you meet somebody who's taken that path, I'd like to meet them uh, because it's professionally a miracle that God gave me three microphones for two and a half decades to get ready for this time of my life and kept me in this bubble of love every step of the way. And then now all of a sudden, via this effectual calling and recognizing in the book of Romans, the apostle Paul clearly points out God chooses us. We don't choose him. So now at age 52, I'm at a Baptist preach in Burnsville and I'm getting bit. I mean, it's like, I don't know any of these passages. I don't know what Galatians is. I have no idea who Hosea is and this prostitute he marries named Gomer and subsequently Ruth and Boaz and, and the tie up to Christ. I don't know any of that, man. Um, so it started there. And then when I learned Jesus was God on earth, whole thing was over. I mean, hmm. It's that that personifies and defines a calling in my estimation and everything that I present biblically um, or or off that chat we just had is straight from the Bible. It's none of it is my opinion. It's I I know how I felt, how I feel, what hasn't stopped, what only has intensified the lives it's impacting and the massive following I've been given the verbal skill set I've been given by God. And now at a starting at age 52, it it is being utilized the way he wants it to be utilized to chat with people who are interested in the importance and significance of the gospel and how I'm not crazy. I don't lie. I have no reason to make anything up. Um, and those close to me know that I've been God guy, prayer guy, talk to God guy all my life. But now it's at a different level where I wake up every single morning hoping for the honor and the opportunity to impact somebody's life from a scripture standpoint or talk to them or help them, guide them to the gospel and let them know that the, the way my heart has been moved and changed is I believe in the Bible. I believe Christ was God's son. I believe he died on the cross for our sins. I believe he was resurrected 
I believe in the Pentecost, and then I believe in the disciples spreading throughout the ancient Near East to share the good news of the gospel. So that's the story in totality. Amen. Jesus Amen. is the hero of all Christians' message, and he is certainly the hero of your message. I want to um, respond to what you just beautifully stated there. Um, you said four years ago, something dramatically changed, and you started to read your Bible intently for the first time in your life. Sometimes people have to hit rock bottom to get to that kind of um, God-level respect, to get to that relationship with the Lord. What changed for you? Well, it, it, it's it's a tricky conversation because, you know, it's I absolutely, per a 13-week course on systematic theology, I went to 10 of them, it was way over my head, but I learned a lot about predestination. And in the book of Romans, it clearly stating Paul through Christ, I believe Luke wrote it when, when Paul was in prison, one of the two times, foreknowledge gets to calling, to justification, to glorification. So I believe in that. And, and I believe in, in foreknowledge of God when you're born, okay? can count the massive amount of, of, of follicles on my head, just the whole thing. So then you get to calling. Well, I say it's tricky because I know what has happened to my life. I know what I felt when I drove to Canterbury. I know what I couldn't stop thinking about. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30, uh, come to me all who are heavy laden and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you for my heart is lowly and my burden is light. That that passage, I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I, I just kept reading it and reading it. Then I started reading more of Matthew. And then I started taking things like Matthew chapter five, you are the salt of the earth and recognizing truly this means you Christians are, not should be, are salt preserving what's good of the earth in a world and uh, our world is in decay, you know? So then now it went to that. And then it went to a seven week course on revelation and a 10 week course on first John. And I just couldn't and can't get enough. Hmm. And, and I, you know, I just wish I had more of these conversations with more people in my life organically. Um, and it's growing and it's, um, you know, I started doing chapels at Canterbury park last year. Uh, we have a chapel there and I've done some this year, pretty much taken over the racetrack chaplaincy because the pastor has a rare form of throat cancer. And, but the tricky part is I'm in no way different than you, or I'm in no way different than anybody listening or watching in the eyes of God. We are exactly all the same. That's why he stresses so many times is that the the last go first and the lowly soar highest. I mean, it's all metaphor and I get it. Um, but um, that that that's what happened. I mean, it's it's I, I didn't come to Christ by crisis it, because God chose me for for this part of my life and my calling. So then I talk to people about it and they're like, well, this sucks. You know, I haven't had a calling. I haven't had an effectual calling or whatever. And I'm like, how do you know? How do you know you haven't? I mean, it's not for us to decide whether we've been called or not. It's for God to decide. And he abundantly will make it clear to you what the path is and what yeah. you are to do. Well, not 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 abundantly, you know, it, it's be, be, because you don't want to force things and stuff. But nevertheless, that's what happened. And then I studied it. I took that course and I know what it is. And <laughs> I'm certainly not ashamed or embarrassed. And I'm super proud to be able to tell everybody at any time, that's what happened to my life. 
It's never going to stop. I'm never giving up on it. And it's only going to grow. That's awesome. I love that. Thank you for sharing that, Paul. I really appreciate that. And um, it's so great to hear how God has sovereignty and um, brought greatness upon your life and how you can now can turn and glorify him with the skills that he's given you. It's so cool. Um, let's touch on the Vikings. Let's shift gears to the Minnesota Vikings a little bit. Preseason game number one to the Raiders lost 26, 20. doesn't really matter. The score, um, the offensive line looked noticeably improved from last year, from the year before. Do you think the combination of Derrissaw, Cleveland, Bradbury, Davis, or Ingram and O'Neal will solve the offensive line problems for the Vikings this year? Well, yeah, I, I would need, I mean, I would need the problems defined to me. Um, because the the Minnesota Moving Company, the the offensive line, um, it's been the land of ten thousand opportunities. Outside of two thousand nine, pretty much every year I've done this job, uh, there just always is some form of consternation with it. Now in that Vegas game, and knowing Cousins wouldn't play and Mannion would start, it, it was interesting to me that Kevin O'Connell, the new head coach, put the first offensive line out there. I thought it was great. Dara saw over to O'Neill. Um, and then I thought it was really neat that uh, Ed Ingram, the LSU rookie, came in against really, with all due respect, some some very shoddy Raiders interior players uh, where when it gets to depth in the first preseason game, everybody has weaknesses in certain spots for them. The right side of their offensive line and the interior with the beef gets a little thin. But you know what? Ed took advantage of it. And that's what you're supposed to do. So. The, the only way to answer the question is if Darasaw can stay healthy all or a majority of the season, the Vikings will have one of the five to three best bookending tackle situations in the NFL. And that's a wonderful building block behind which you can run and throw. Hmm. Yeah. The Vikings went from Childress to Frazier to Zimmer, now back to another offensive coordinator. First one in 12, 13 years. Uh, how do you think Kirk Cousins and um, Justin Jefferson are going to do in O'Connell's system? Do you think it will take a year to feel fully comfortable in the system for the system to work? Or do you think it will work right away? Because I saw a lot of open receivers in preseason game number one. Yeah, you, yeah there were, um, uh, in watching back uh, some of the All-22 from that game, because now you're the fourth person I've heard say that. Uh, but when a coach said it to me after the game, um, or, or not immediately after, but after that was made available to me, I thought about it, and there were a fair amount of receivers running open with Sean Mannion and Kellen Mond at quarterback. So the belief is when you have a top tenor on uh, a very accurate quarterback like Kirk, um, that those receivers will not be missed. Now, everybody, including Tom Brady in his heyday, missed receivers. But uh, there, there were just some situations in this game where that have to be closed on. Um, so when it comes to the O'Connell West Phillips offense, I think it behooves people to look back at the way the Rams run offense with McVay as coach and O'Connell as offensive coordinator and West Phillips as passing game coordinator and tight ends coach. And it's not a big over the top explosive aerial circus. A lot of it's predicated on yards after catch. A lot of it's predicated on abusing and taking advantage of the middle part of the field to get that yard after yards after catch going. Well, Jefferson um, and Thielen are very good at yards after catch and JJ's high, high end with yards after catch, catching it on the run and going. 
Uh, Zach Davidson, the Central Missouri tight end, looks like he's okay with yards after catch. That's the answer, is a lot of it is going to be predicated off play action, deception. We have unpredictability on our side the first three games because nobody has any idea what's coming from this offense with good players and this defense with good players. Um, But but a lot of it involves play action, run after catch, getting the quarterback out of the pocket and throwing on the run. I want, I don't want to say there's been a backup quarterback controversy this training camp or preseason, but it's been a bigger discussion than previous years. Sean Mannion, Kellen Mond, which quarterback do you think deserves the backup quarterback spot? Mm, I'm not a big deserve guy, um, but sure. you know the the backup quarterback might not be on the roster. So you know we got this Niners game coming up at home. Um, this is a massive, 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 massive moment for Kellamon. Uh, the first game was big, as I as I shared nine to noon at KFAM, because it's a restart for Kellen, you know, for a staff that clearly had problems with him. And, you know, the way uh, Mike Zimmer talked about him after the Green Bay game, you know, just so terse, you know, <laughs> I wasn't a fan of that. So but that's that regime. This is this one. And, and with new comes new opportunity, uh, new eyes and, and a new belief in somebody. So now with um, with with Kellen, uh, he played well enough in that Raiders game to open some eyes. I mean, Kellen made some plays. He it looked natural to him. And now you're coming home against a quarterback drafted in the same draft as you from a smaller school from Minnesota, went high in the top ten, high in the first round, and he's going to look to come in here and steal the show. Well, what if they come in talking about Trey? and they leave talking about Kellen. Hmm. I mean, this is an opportunity for Kellen to get fans out of their seats with plays and to let the owners and the GM and the personnel people and the coaches hear, wow, they really like him. I said this on the radio today. What I hope happens to Kellen Saturday against the Niners takes us back to 2014 at the college stadium when Teddy Bridgewater was playing a preseason game against Arizona And he won the game with obscure wide receiver Rodney Smith and made some very big plays in the game. And the crowd was like, Teddy, Teddy, Teddy. I would love for Kellen to be put in that spot, come through and hear the crowd go, Kellen, Kellen. Nothing against Sean. Sean's played, started three games in his career. And one of them was because the Rams sat everybody week 17, the year they went to the Super Bowl. So, I mean, Sean's had eight years. But uh, but Kellen's new. And and anytime the masses pile on you the way they did Kellen, I'm going to be on your side and I'm going to root for you and I'm going to support you when I get the opportunities to chat with you. And um, I hope Kellen really comes through on Saturday night. He definitely showed some promise in week one of the preseason. I mean, the play where he missed the receiver by five feet, even though he missed the receiver by five feet, he was able to extend the play and miss a couple of tacklers and extend the play so you could see the promise. And then he threw two touchdowns in the second half versus third stringer. So he's got that ability. We'd love to see him put it together. I I, I want to see Kellen go on a bootleg that's a run. You know, like he boots out hard, say, to the right, and then there's a linebacker, and it's just like who can sprint fastest to the sideline to get seven yards. I want to see Kellen do some things like that. It's like Tecmo Super Bowl, Randall Cunningham style, 1990s. Yeah, that's a great example because I mean, <laughs> Randall's tall and lanky. Kellen's lanky and, and he's smaller in frame. 
but he can run and he can run mm-hmm. like the wind. Yeah. How excited are you to see the Vikings in a three, four defense the first time since the 1980s? I'm excited. It's the first time in 40 years, as you mentioned, a three, four base will be played here. I'm excited because Harrison Phillips is new. Uh, having Daniil Hunter as stand-up outside linebacker guy, well, that's new. And Daniil was quick to remind us on the the TV part of the, the simulcast, Fox 9 and K-Fan from Vegas, that his first sack against Kansas City came when he was standing up as an outside linebacker. So he can do it. Um, I'm, you know, this this Dantzler, Andrew Booth Jr. battle at corner is fascinating. Lewis Seen taken in the first round. I'm excited to watch him. Um, so, yeah, I'm just excited to see how it develops. We had four sacks against the Raiders, and, okay, it's the first preseason game, and, sure, a lot of it was against backups, but it's still four sacks. It's still somebody's quarterback getting hit. Even if it's a backup, nobody wants that to happen. So that that was promising. Hmm. Two questions left, Paul, before we wrap up. Who has been the biggest surprise to you in training camp? Has there been a player that has risen above what you expected of him and could get some run in the regular season? Well, the biggest surprise has been the tranquil and serene nature of training camp. Uh, Ain't a lot of yelling. Uh, It's clear that they're picking up on it quickly. Uh, The first teamers, the the best of the best, Alvin, JJ, all them. Um, And and that's that's been it's not a surprise. It's just hard to do. And it's clear to me that O'Connell and his staff treated organized team activities in such a scholarly way that those who were there, which was everybody, uh, that they picked up on it there. And now they're putting it into action from a playing standpoint. uh, We have this undrafted linebacker from Miami named Zach McLeod, um, and he played in the Raiders game. Uh, He's a playmaker. Yeah, he. Um, I don't watch college football much, uh, but he's good, and I don't know why he went undrafted. Uh, but this Zach McLeod is he's he's fighting to to beat a veteran for a linebacker spot and be on the active roster. And you know we got it's a big game for him Saturday night too because he'll probably play a lot. And it seems like Greg Joseph is kicking the crap out of the ball so far. Is that right? Yeah, he he hit a sixty yard field goal at training camp practice last week. And, um, and, you know, this is the first time for Greg, he's been on the same team two consecutive years. So, you know, Greg has a big leg. Greg walked off against the Lions. Greg hit from 55 and 54 in the same game. So Greg has ability. And I thought, I thought Greg was actually close to fantastic at times last year. So he's the kicker and, um, he should be pretty good. Besides the kick against the Cardinals, he played pretty well last year. All right. Last question. You've got the famous call against the Cardinals in 2003. You have the two legendary calls in 2009, Favre to Greg Lewis and Favre's interception against the Saints. Is there a sneaky under-the-radar call that you love that doesn't quite get the same amount of press as the 2003 and 2009 call? Uh, That's an interesting question. Um, You know, I think... The Minneapolis Miracle probably ended yes, up being the most popular of them all, but yeah. that wouldn't be underrated. I was in D.C. at that time, so I didn't even hear it, but I heard the recordings. I think, um, well, speaking of, of D.C., man, I, I can't remember the year RG3 was a rookie. Um, mm-hmm. We had a game at FedEx Field, and he won the game with a long run. Like a Yes, I remember run. that. Oh, yeah. heartbreak. Marcus Sanford yeah. took a horrible angle on him, and, and <laughs> RG3 won the game. That um, 
that's about as loud as I've ever heard a road crowd. I mean, oh my heavens, was that place rocking. Uh, but um, I would say if, if we were able to eliminate touchdown calls, like back in, man, it might've been 04. Let's say it's 04 around there. Mike Tice was the coach. I had a touchdown call with Nate Burleson where he had a broken finger and almost didn't play. And he scored a big touchdown late in the game. And I said something like, um, Nate Burleson may have a broken finger, but the Indianapolis Colts have broken hearts. Hmm. Um, something like that. Uh, but up to the Minneapolis miracle, we came out of break and I'm there with Bursich, the analyst. And I started the possession because now we're going to lose the game. And the 2017 playoff game against the Saints, we were never losing that game up 17-0. And then just everything went wrong. And now we're losing and we're going to lose the game. And into that drive, out of break, I said to Pete, well, looks like we're going to need a Minneapolis miracle. And that was the genesis of what led to the call because I remembered it. You know, yeah. we had a few plays after that. And then here's the Utah rookie safety taking the bad angle. Diggs not going out of bounds. Keenum throwing it on time. And it was a 61-yard Minneapolis miracle. So the, the, the actual Minneapolis miracle call uh, would be considered ballyhooed by, by many in the league. Uh, but before it, if I don't say, Pete, it looks like we're going to need a Minneapolis miracle, then I don't remember it and probably don't even say it during the touchdown call. Talk about God's sovereignty, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, it's interesting you say that because I'm, I'm God's will 100% my nun guy. And I know predestination and, and free will and God's will and stuff, hot talkers in the Christian community. Oh, I don't yeah. argue with anybody. I'm just sharing how I feel and what my knowledge is and, and how I pull from it. So I'm God's will 100, mine zero. And that's how I navigate, navigate my life. So, you know, in 09 with Favre, the Minneapolis miracle and all that, you know, I thank God for guiding me with the charisma, the accuracy, the clarity, the enunciation, the creativity to get me to those calls and continue to build my following and my popularity and my confidence for this time of my life, sharing the Bible and, and chatting with people about God and about the Bible and about the gospel and about Christ. Um, now, conversely, on the other side, last year, week two at Arizona, I blew the first big call of my life. Uh, Greg Joseph, it is good. No, he missed it right. Um, you know, and, and after that, I had a lot of people being like, dude, are you okay? Cause like Barstool and all those places are just making fun of me and it's blowing up and everything. And I didn't, I didn't really know that because I didn't look for it or look at it. Uh, but you know, my, my takeaway was, you know, I just wonder, it's almost like why that was permitted to happen. What's the purpose here? I'd mm -hmm. never done it during my career. I've called 400 some odd games. I've never blown anything like that in any of my microphone-related jobs for come, coming up to 30 years. So what's the purpose here? Um, I don't know. I'm, am, am I humble, but I'm not humble enough? Am I dedicated, but I'm not devoted? Uh, is God looking at other people and other entities because he knows I can carry a lot as I have all my life? That, that's my viewpoint on the Bible, on God, and, and in my life, on my life. Tim, that that uh, Timothy, that I take it even as far as to look at what some would say was the most embarrassing moment of somebody's career 
And then now they're on social media caring what people think about them and being image conscious and everything. And I'm not, and I don't care about that. No matter if it's like Minneapolis Miracle, you're the best ever, which I'm not. Or Greg Joseph, you're the worst ever, which I'm not. It's becoming one with God for the purpose and just trying to get hold of the purpose, which I didn't do and I can't, and it's not my job to do that. But, you know, that's how I look at it, man. You know, so when you bring up these calls, all I think about is thank you, Father, for guiding me in that direction to entertain people with those individual calls clearly the way they did and to continue to bring people to Twitter or the radio show or the fan base or whatever. So there's an opportunity, like even via this avenue, to let people know how important Jesus Christ is to me, how real I believe and know the Bible is in my heart. And I would love for people to give it a chance and uh, pray to God and and have him reveal to you, if it's within his will, what's next for you. And Hmm. let's just see where it goes. Awesome. Beautifully said, Paul. Thank you so much for taking time to join the Minnesota Tim podcast today. I appreciate you, brother. Thanks for the opportunity. Thanks for letting me talk about the Bible. Uh, God bless you. And hopefully the Vikings get to the Super Bowl. And anytime you want to do this, man, and, and chat straight Vikings football, you, you just hit me up. We'll do it for you anytime. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies for a post-lunch pick-me-up. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies.